In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards. I have packed my bags for Northern Europe as our march around the world rolls on after already spending a little bit of time with leaders and representatives in England, Australia, Canada, and Croatia last week, uh, we are now finding ourselves making an extended stop in Belgium with not one, but two of the greatest representatives our people have on the continent of Europe, Philip de Winter and Anka Vandersmersch. And they are both sitting officials for the Vlaams Belong Party. Philip is a member of the Flemish Parliament. He has just released a new book, which we'll be getting to. And Anka is a senator, a senator who is also a former beauty queen, having been crowned Miss Belgium. And additionally, she has represented her country in the Miss Universe pageant. Very interestingly, they appear together tonight. A little twist in our series, and they are both here with us now. Uh, Philip and Anka, it is great to have you. Entirely our honor. Thank you for having us on Liberty News Radio. It's an honor to be able to speak to uh, American people. That uh, doesn't uh, that, uh, doesn't happen every day. Hello, James. How are you? Fine to hear you again. Uh, I, I'm glad to be on your show to, tonight. Well, it's great to have you both, and it's always great to talk to you both, and uh, even better when we are able to spend time in person, which we have done in the state of Tennessee before, and we were tra uh, trading some emails about that earlier in the week. But uh, let's just get that right down to it. With both of you on, I could have spent an hour with each of you, so we're doing this consolidated interview and not a moment to spare. So I will speak quickly and get to both. But let's first just go back a little bit into your backgrounds. Uh, respectively, and then we'll uh, join in this roundtable discussion. Uh, Philip, the last time you were on with us, which was a couple of years ago, you spoke about the history of Belgium, the makeup of the government there, and much more. Very fascinating. Uh, and speaking of the government, you were first elected to the Flemish Parliament in 1995, and you're still there, sitting member of that parliament as we speak tonight. Does the opposition even field a candidate against you at this point in your career? They still do, but uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to be easy to beat me. So I'm still there. Uh, I'm 61 years old now, and I'm I'm uh, I'm still running for office, uh, and I will be a candidate also for the next elections uh, next year in uh, in June. And uh, it, it's almost uh, sure that I will be elected once again because our party is doing very well. We are the first party in the polls now, between 25-27% in, in the polls. So. It, uh, it's going uh, very well. And, and yesterday we had an election uh, in, in the Netherlands, 
where the traditional parties were beaten by a new party. It's a party of, of just ordinary citizens and, and farmers and, um, well, people who are fed up and who don't want uh, uh, to, 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 to get involved in, in, in the traditional parties anymore. And they, they were very successful. So it's going very well, not only in our country, but in the whole of Europe. We have in Italy uh, a majority and a government running of uh, right-wing parties with uh, Georgina Meloni. We have uh, Denmark. We have... Uh, uh, also, uh, other countries uh, where right-wing parties are in charge in Europe. So there is a swing to the right in, in, uh, in, in the European Union. Uh, we have Hungary, Poland, uh, all that sort of countries who are already um, uh, having a right-wing uh, majority and a prime minister and a government. So um, we're doing very well in Europe, yes. I'm going to talk to you both uh, in unison about this sustained success your party has had and why it has caught on with the voters in your respective nation while others have been more of a flash in the pan in some, in some cases. But let's uh, give uh, Anka a moment to say an extended hello. Uh, Anka, of course, you have been uh, a member of the Senate now for 20 years, not quite as long as Philip has been in office, but 20 years. That is a sustained success uh, to be sure. Uh, but also your past uh, in as Miss Belgium in the Miss Universe pageant, you also are a trained lawyer. Now, how did that happen for you? There doesn't seem to be a direct path that I can see from Miss Universe to the Senate of Belgium, but you managed to find it. And I know you traveled all over the world during that time in your life, which has sort of informed your uh, evolution as well. Yes, that's true. Um, I was 18 years old when I became Miss Belgium, out of the blue. I uh, wasn't prepared for it, but I made uh, a good time out of it, and I traveled the world. And then I saw people having troubles, uh, people who needed help. I thought I, I would like to help uh, every girl who does a, a Miss Universe pageant and becomes Miss Belgium wants to um, uh, make the world better so I wasn't just the same as all the young girls having dreams about a peaceful world and helping everybody and then after the year that I was Miss Belgium and I traveled around the world I said well I have to do something and then I went to university to have a law degree which I had uh, within the five years and then afterwards I decided to study uh, tax law also two years extra so I made uh, seven years university and then at that point, I started a law office in Antwerp, in the middle of Belgium. And then um, I tried to help people, but it was one case after the other. And I thought I had to have to help more people at the same time. So I went into politics. I was elected as a councillor in the city hall of Antwerp, uh, the city council. Then um, I went into politics on the 18th of May. Which uh, means that on the 18th, May 18th, now I will be 20 years in politics as a senator. I was elected by the Flemish people and re-elected ever since. Um, probably will be re-elected again next year uh, when there's new elections. And so I, helping many people in politics is easier than case by case as a lawyer. So I'm very happy and comfortable in uh, in politics. And I made some major um progress already. For example, I'm very proud of being the mother of the burka ban. Um, we have a big problem here in Europe um, because Europe is um, uh, uh, the victim of Islamization at a really high rate, really high tempo. And I see um, headscarves all around me and I thought um, 
I don't want headscarves in our society, but certainly no burkas. So I wrote the first burka ban, which is now implemented in a few other European countries, which makes me very proud. So this is one of the cases I could help many people um, having a better future and not living in a burka. So the burka ban is uh, something, uh, a case I'm really, really proud of. As well, you should be. And I think that was one of your actually one of your very first, if not, was it the first piece of legislation that you put forward? No, it's not the first, but it's one of the first. Uh, the, in the first year I was elected, I wrote it because I came across a lady who was, work, uh, was wearing a burka in the supermarket. And I was really shocked. I said, this is not Europe. It has to change. I have to prohibit it. It's not possible that men um, oblige women to walk in a, in a coffin, in a textile coffin around in a, in a supermarket. So it was one of the first things I wrote. And it's easy if you have a law degree to write um, legisl new leg legislation. So um, that's a, one of the first I wrote the, the first year I was elected. It's now 20 years ago. And so there's 20 years in which it was translated in the di all different languages in Europe because we have a lot of different languages and then implemented in a few other countries like France. Let's skip the photo uh, break. The Let's skip the photo break. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. No problem. So it was in, implemented in like France or uh, Germany, uh, Holland, a few countries around uh, Europe. So I'm very, very proud of that. Well, as well, you should be. And uh, so you just detailed some of the issues that defined your advocacy and what you're fighting for as a senator. And you mentioned that you wanted to help all people. But uh, yes, I, think... I, w I want a better life for everybody, which means that we have to start with our own people first. This is our slogan That's right. also of yeah. the party. Uh, we have to start with our own, pe own people first so we can help then our neighbors. And then our neighbors get better and they can help our na the neighbors also. And then we, we go around the globe if possible. That's what I dreamt about when I was a little child. It will take some more years, I think. <laughs> well, our people first. That is the, well. Yeah, it's gonna. We, we gotta. We, we gotta save our families first. What is love if not loving your own family, your own people, uh, that's your own the kinship point. group? Yeah, that's yes. right, and it has to be, uh, as I understand it. And uh, so that is the slogan, Philip, of of Blom's Belong. Our people first. And a question for you, and, and and this can be a joint question. Many nationalist parties have come and gone in Europe over the years, um, since we've been on the radio, and even before that. Some never get off the launch pad. Some have success but have difficulty sustaining it. But uh, your party, the Flemish Interest Party, is how it translates into English, is something entirely different. It's a nationalist, uh, populist party. Uh, those are some of the terms used to describe it, at least. And you've accomplished a staying power that has eluded many others. Now, uh, uh, Vlaams Belong currently has elected officials serving in the, uh, the, the Chamber of Representatives, the Belgian Senate, obviously the Flemish Parliament the Brussels Parliament, the Flemish Provincial Councils. How have you been able to do that? How have you been able to find that intersection where the platform meets the people, Philip? Well, every country is different, and, and, and the situation in every political situation in every country is different. So it's not uh, so easy to, to find a solution uh, that fits for all countries uh, or a model, uh, political model that fits for all countries or, or nations. But nevertheless, we we uh, we are politically active since uh, many years, from uh, early 80s until now. We always have been in, uh, represented in parliament and so on and so on. And it, we are a part of of the 
of of the the, the political uh, not establishment but of the political scene in our country and uh, we always managed to um, to defend the interests of the the common people of the of of of, of the, the, the people of our own country uh, our own nationals and that's important i think but uh, once again it's, it's not a model you that fits for for every country not even in europe uh, europe is quite um, complicated uh, many different countries cultures languages uh, different political situations. You, you can't compare Italy with with Holland or Denmark with uh, with Hungary. It's all it's all very complicated. So, but nevertheless, we try to unify our forces, and that's what we are going to do with European elections next year. And we hope to become first or the second political force in in European Parliament if we can unite all our. Uh, all the political right-wing patriotic parties in Europe, uh, it, it, it would be a, a, not only an electoral vi victory, but also a strategical victory uh, to, to unite all those political parties and, and to have one group in European Parliament with uh, Viktor Orban, the Prime Minister of Hungary, with Meloni in Italy, with uh, Heert Wilders in, in Holland, uh, and, and Marine Le Pen in France, and so on and so on. That would be quite uh, an achievement, and I think it will would also be uh, a possibility to to uh, to uh, to have a sort of a counter power against the traditional uh, parties, against the political elite, against the political establishment, the liberal establishment, who is um, uh, ruling Europe now for so many years already. Here in America, you are definitely seeing the Republican base, the Donald Trump voter, moving in the right dis uh, the right direction, uh, pun intended, perhaps. Uh, there is certainly a nationalist awakening that has taken place here, um, an understanding of the political realities of multiculturalism that uh, perhaps was not here to this extent some 10 years ago, uh, maybe even five years ago. Uh, they, they, poll after poll shows that the Republican voter in this country is beginning to see things the way we have uh, for almost 20 years on the air and for both of you even longer than that as elected officials. Uh, would you say that, uh, for lack of a better term, the, the right-wing parties, and I don't mind that term, the right-wing, the nationalist parties, those who are concerned uh, with the Islamification of Europe, concerned with regards to multiculturalism and, and, and concerned with the defense of traditional Western values, is the political climate more ripe for those type of candidates and those type of parties now in Europe than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Yes, of course it is. Uh, the, the situation degenerated uh, during the last uh, two, three decades um, in, in, in several cities in Europe. Uh, there are white minorities now. Uh, Muslims are uh, are uh, not in charge yet, but uh, their number is growing very fast, um, and that means that due to mass immigration, uh, we 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 have to unite, and the people are aware of that. There, this was an eye opener uh, for many um, conservative voters who voted Christian Democrat or liberal parties in the past and now uh, are voting for our parties like ours um, because of mass immigration uh, and all the problems that are uh, connected with uh, 
mass immigration and multiculturalism. So uh, it's 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 uh, it's a pity to say, but nevertheless, uh, things must go worse before they can become better. <laughs> Certainly in uh, in 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 the free world. Um, where it's always difficult to point out uh, to, 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 to people who are in, under influence of mass media and so on and so on, um, to, 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 to let them know that uh, a vote for traditional uh, uh, mainstream parties is not good enough, uh, that only a vote for a right-wing patriotic party will uh, will change things. So that's what happened uh, during the last 10, 20, 25 years. Uh, and, and it took some time. It, this sort of things, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And we needed that time, 10, 20 years, to, to prepare, to organize, uh, and, and to, 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 uh, to, to infiltrate also in, in the system, in media and so on and so on, in parliament, uh, in the whole democratic system, uh, before we were able uh, to take over power also in certain countries. I think in Hungary, in Italy, Denmark, uh, even other countries in Europe, uh, we had the chance also in Austria and, and so on and so on. Um, things are changing now, but it, it, took a, it, it took a lot of time. People are also turning to us, to our party, because things are getting worse, as Mr. De Winter says. Um, yes. We have a big problem with the woke also in Europe, here in Belgium also. Um, I, I want to give an example. Um, the, there was an International Women's Day on the March the 8th, and they, in a school here in Brussels, they uh, let the young guys, the young white men, uh, keep, uh, follow the lessons uh, standing up, which is kind of torture, I think. There was lots to do about it because um, young men are uh, seen as guilty because of the past of Europe and we, the woke and the back life matters it comes to Europe also and it, people are seeing that they're, they're becoming a minority, especially young white men in our own country. So um, people are turning to our party also because of the woke that is go, uh, getting bigger and stronger in Europe also. And uh, the traditional family is under attack as well. Um, holy beef, fetish and sex changes are promoted by the mainstream media, um, which is a very um, special niche. Um, the normal family, a man and a woman, which uh, if they are happy, have lots of children, should be promoted, not those uh, niche um, uh, topics. And that's why people are also turning to our party, because we are the, the only party of the common sense of the normal, traditional family, which is important to have a society, to build up a society. So this is also a, a major issue here in Europe, uh, why people are turning to and voting for our party. Y'all hit you, you both hit on something that's very key, and uh, that is that things may have to get worse before they get better. As, as long as people are relatively comfortable, there's money in the bank, there's food in the refrigerator, the, the, the game is on television, uh, they're not likely to take action. That's just human nature, and I think it's, uh, it really afflicts our people. 
Europeans, white Europeans, white Americans more than most because, unfortunately, and for whatever reason, evolutionary speaking, uh, we are more individualistic than other people groups. And I believe that we need to see ourselves as part of a collective and put the interest of the group first, and then there will be the snowball effect. I mean, um, I, and I think many will. Many will come back to our positions when it becomes trendy and fashionable again the path of least resistance to do so i think it's going to be a case of uh, it happened very gradually and then all at once but what's going to be the catalyst to bring that back well uh we, we will have to wait and see but it is trending in that direction from my position as a commentator now one of the main weapons of the left that have been so effective have been to label anyone who wants to put their families first a racist, a fascist, a Nazi. If you're a native European, you want to put your family first. Uh, that has caused these slurs, these libels, these slanders. It's caused a lot of people to back down. Uh, why has it not caused the two of you to back down? We have about two minutes before a commercial break, maybe a little less than that. Why have you been immune to that, and why has it been effective on others? Well, I think uh, it's always easy to label people. Eh? If you call them racist uh, or uh, or fascist or, or extreme right, uh, it's the end of the debate. You don't have to, to use any arguments anymore. It's over. Um, and that, that worked for some time, but you can fool uh, uh, all the people. Sometimes you can <laughs> fool some people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Here, and, here. and that's what's happening now. Um, because of this great replacement, the Islamization of Europe, uh, mass immigration, uh, the, 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 the terrorist attacks we had uh, in Europe also after 9-11. Uh, we had the same thing over here uh, in Madrid, London, uh, Brussels, uh, Paris, uh, all over in Europe. It, it opened the eyes of many people and it made them um, aware of the fact that there was a huge problem and that multiculturalism was not uh, the ideal world, but it was uh, the worst case scenario for them. And with that, as if he were a trained radio man, a trained media anchor, Philip DeWinter, Anka Vandermersch, are our guest, and we're taking our one and only break. We're skipping the floater breaks to have as much time with these two heroes, a hero and a heroine here with us live tonight, and uh, we'll be back with them. We've had them for a half hour. We've got them for one more half hour. They join us live from Belgium. Stay tuned, everybody. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. We should feel very good about the banking system in the USA because the government stepped in and closed two banks last week. That's what Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is telling a Senate committee. This week, the government took decisive and forceful actions to stabilize and strengthen public confidence in our financial system. Yellen reminded senators the money used to guarantee deposits at Silicon Valley and signature banks comes from the FDIC, which is funded by all of the USA's banks, not the government. More evidence of a tight labor market. The Labor Department says about 20,000 fewer of us filed for unemployment insurance last week compared to the week before. The Defense Department has released a 40-second video clip shot by that drone that plunged into the Black Sea on Monday. It shows a Russian fighter jet spraying the drone with jet fuel, as well as a bent propeller the U.S. says was the result of the Russian jet clipping the drone. 
NBC reports the harassment of U.S. craft was approved at the highest levels of the Russian government. It's still a waiting game in Amarillo, Texas, as a federal judge works on a ruling involving the abortion pill. The plaintiffs are challenging the FDA's approval of the drug, arguing the agency didn't adequately evaluate its safety and endangered women further when they made the drug available via telemedicine during the pandemic. The FDA says the claims in the lawsuit are unsupported by any evidence and said in court that a ruling in the plaintiff's favor would amount to unprecedented action and would cause significant public harm. Correspondent Dasha Burns in Amarillo. The rain's over for the moment in California, but the danger remains. Part of a hillside in San Clemente collapsed, leaving four buildings at the top of that hill uninhabitable. And forecasters say another atmospheric river will hit the Golden State early next week. This is USA News. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Cleaning your fuel system can help your engine run better and improve gas mileage. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts and pick up a bottle of Chevron Tecron fuel system cleaner. On sale now. Buy one, get one free. Plus, get two times O rewards points. Get more fuel saving tips from the professional parts people at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800 734 1229. 800 734 1229. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've told you before that over the last couple of years, this particular series, our March Around the World, during which the month of March we speak uh, exclusively with leaders, elected officials, advocates uh, for our people throughout Europe and beyond, has really become my, my favorite part of the broadcasting calendar. Never more so, I think, than uh, right now uh, with Philip DeWinner and Anka Vandermersch, uh, who are our guests this hour. Philip, of course, is a member of the Flemish Parliament, has been since 1995. Anka, trained lawyer, former Miss Belgium, former runner-up in the Miss Universe pageant, uh, a member of the Senate of Belgium, and they join us together. I, I just want to say this to Anka very quickly, and then I want to talk, Philip, about your brand-new book, which talks about what I think is the issue of our time right now. Uh, I caught a quote some years ago, and I put it in my pocket. It uh, was just a powerful quote, and the quote was, beauty is where egalitarianism goes to die. Uh, there is no equality when it comes to beauty. Physical beauty is to be worshipped. Uh, the, the Greeks and the Romans didn't chisel obese, unattractive people out of the granite. They depicted the gods and the goddesses, as they should have. But everything, you mentioned the left a moment ago, the, the woke. Everything about the woke is ugly. It's ideology, it's art, it's architecture, and, and even its very adherents. Uh, and sadly, this ugliness infects everything that it touches. And now you have men competing and winning in beauty contests over biological women. I, 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 this was, I, I'm sure, unimaginable in the 1990s. And so we've gone a long way uh, in, in, in our yeah. lifetimes. Uh, but yes, uh, what's been taken from us can be way. restored. 
Yes, we've gone a very long way. That was not possible at the time that I was participating uh, in beauty pageants. But um, the, the beauty of the beauty pageants and the forum I got because of the beauty pageant, I used it against the evolution that was already um, envisioned. I saw it already happening in, in my country, in my city. Um, so I used the forum that I got as a Miss Belgium to do politics. To I, I have an opinion. I've always had an opinion. And uh, because of the Miss Belgium election, I could um, speak to the media and I got the forum, which it's difficult to get when once you're in politics and especially when you're uh, from a patriotic party, uh, a right-wing party, you cannot speak really in the media. Media is um, um, overall very left-wing. So as a Miss Belgium, I was uh, not under uh, under attack yet, and then I could speak freely. I had a big forum to um, to express how I felt about society for the future. So that was a, a very nice thing to do as a Miss Belgium, a very good opportunity uh, which I used, and I still use it because I'm not the traditional politician um, in the in the government in the Senate. Um, as well as in the City Council of Antwerp. So I still make use of, um, of people um, wanting to hear some different voice. And this is the voice that I bring, but it's the same message actually that I uh, give as Mr. De Winter does and uh, the party, um, uh, the, what we, should, we would like to reach uh, for the future um, as a party. So that makes it special that uh, Ms. Belgium became um, a politician, uh, a senator. <laughs> Well, I think we all thank God for the path that uh, was illuminated that led to you to us and us to you uh, this evening and your work for uh, on behalf of our people, uh, both in Belgium and uh, all of the European uh, people. Uh, we are better for it. And uh, I thank you. I thank you uh, as well, Philip. And you have a new book out, Philip, uh, that uh, I, I think this is the signature issue that our people have to be concerned with right now. The, the, the left uh, mocks this as a conspiracy theory, uh, but it's not a theory. It's a fact. And of course, we're talking about the great replacement of native born Europeans, both in our ancestral homelands and in places like America uh, and, and, and elsewhere. You look at the birth rates, you look at the demographics, and it is absolutely provable. It's an um, unequivocal fact that our share of the population, not just globally, but also globally, but even in our very own homelands, is dwindling to minority status. And that is done because of, again, low birth rates and also because of the policies thrust upon us by the ruling elite. It's not a theory. It is a fact. And, um, of course, this inundation of foreigners and so-called refugees can only end in one way, uh, our replacement. You have a new book out about it. Tell us all about it. Well, yes, the book is called The Great Replacement. Um, in, in my language, it's called Omvolkom, uh, what means, in fact, that uh, our people, uh, the indigenous uh, European um, um, uh, population, is replaced by non-European uh, mostly uh, uh, Arabic, uh, African, uh, Islamic uh, populations. And together with the population, we are not only being demographically, but also culturally uh, replaced. Um, our European society is rapidly changing, um, not only uh, when it comes to demographics, but also when it comes uh, to our civilization 
uh, our civilization is uh, European civilization is replaced by an Islamic civilization. In my hometown, city of Antwerp, second biggest harbor uh, of, of Europe, we already have more than 30% of non-European Islamic uh, immigrants, 65 mosques, uh, a majority of the school population is Muslim, so it's going very fast now. And I think that within two, three generations, uh, we will have about uh, uh, 25, 30% of Muslims in the whole of Europe. And our big cities will be completely uh, Islamized. So um, this means that, that yes, well, uh, demographics, uh, demography is the future. Eh? And there was an, an American uh, uh, writer who, also, who said once, uh, the hand who rocks the cradle rules the world. Uh, that's very true. <laughs> uh, we, we are replaced, not only because of the birth rate, that's very low. We, in Europe, we have about 1.4 children for every family. Uh, in, in Central uh, Africa, we have more than 4.5 uh, children uh, uh, pro family. Uh, we have the mass immigration, who is going very strong. Um, so, in fact, because of this, this immigration invasion and uh, the birth rate that is uh, very low in Europe and very high in, in Africa and also with uh, non-European immigrants over here, uh, uh, the, 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 the replacement uh, is, is going quite fast. And um, this is a, really a big problem uh, for Europe and everybody is aware of that. Uh, our opponents say this is a, a conspiracy theory but uh, in, 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 it's, it's, it's not true, it's just reality, it's a fact. Uh, and the first thing we have to do is to, 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 to try to understand, what is, to understand what's happening and to find uh, a solution. And the only solution is to close our borders and, and, and to, to, to stop immigration. And secondly, uh, we need a family policy uh that 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 is that is uh, uh, trying to to to, um, to give an alternative for this uh for this demographic problem we are confronted with philip uh, i know one of your previous books which i have right here and i'm looking at it uh, as i speak it actually is always in the studio with me it's it's one of about 20 books that i have uh, permanently featured on my on my shelf here uh, has been translated into English. I think a, a pundit, a commentator who writes a book about the Great Replacement, that's fine. I mean, it, it all helps. I mean, that's a good thing. But I think one who's a sitting member of a, of a national legislative body carries a, a bit more of a punch. Has this book, your newest book, been translated into English as well? Not yet. We have plans to translate it, but it's only it's 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 out for a few months, so it's uh, quite uh, new, the book. So, but we have plans to translate it also in English. The other one, Inshallah, is uh, translated already many years ago in English, French, and all sorts of other languages. But this one will be translated also in English because it's 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 an issue that uh, that's not only uh, interesting for our people. Uh, and for the European population, I think it's 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 a big problem for the for the the Western world, for the white uh, people all over the world. We are replaced, and we will be a minority within a few decades. Don't uh, forget that.
Um, and you know, and you well, look at uh, what our people, uh, the European people, have done for all of humanity. We're always reminded about slavery as if that was a uniquely, or colonization as if that was a uniquely European enterprise. I mean, certainly it was not. And I don't have any guilt about any of it. We did what everybody else did, and uh, maybe we did it a little better, uh, to be frank. But uh, I don't have any guilt over uh, things that happened hundreds of years ago. I don't mind it. I don't care about it. You're not going to make me commit cultural and uh, racial and spiritual suicide because you have a problem with it. Your people were doing it too. Uh, and, and, and so, yes, I mean, these, these are the policies that have to be instituted. We have to get past this guilt, which is unnecessary, and move forward because I think, ironically, the ironic thing is we truly do want to preserve the diversity of mankind, and our people have a part in that mosaic of humanity, and uh, we want to exist and have our folkways and our languages and our faith and our traditions and our heroes um, live on as well. And Anka, I know this is something that you've written about, uh, in your book, uh, Neither Whore Nor Slave, Women, as Islam, uh, Women and Islam, you said in a speech one time that the, the well-being of a people can be measured by the position of women and the welfare of their children. Unfortunately, we women in Europe are not doing well. And this is what yes. I would say in response to that. When a nesting ground is disturbed, as it has been deserved, uh, disturbed by mass immigration, which has not had a positive effect for our people, it doesn't make for a healthy environment to have and raise long, uh, large and strong families. So how have families uh, been negatively impacted by these policies in Europe, namely mass immigration, especially that uh, from the Islamic nations? Yes, there's a, a not an, a good environment to raise children at the moment in Europe, I think. Although I, I have two children myself and I educate them for a big deal myself. Because in the schools also, they now uh, promote diversity, promote woke, promote Black, Black Lives Matter. So I have to, they get two educations. My children, I educate them myself at home, learn them the values of Europe, learn them which values are important. And then they have to know also the, the diversity values because their, their grades are given by teachers who want them to say different things than the things I learn them at home. So have, they have two educations, but they need to go to school because they need the science and the math to be able to provide for their families later on. So I, I give them two educations. And many people do that at this moment. They give their own values to their children and they learn them how to react to the questions which are asked in schools, which are not not uh, okay because it's about discrimination and about groups which are not discriminated but they have to uh, say that, uh, that they are discriminated and that the young white men are the problem and that they have a guilt but i learned them different things at home of course but the society is changing very fast and that is also because of mass immigration and that mass immigration brought also the Islamization of Europe, and uh, that's a, a big problem because the, the mass immigration not only brought a new religion, the Islam, to our countries, which is completely uh, in opposite to our, our values, our European values, and um, they also brought with them new kinds of crimes against women, for example, um, uh, honorary killings and mutilations, forced marriage, uh, they're all kind of torture and also keeping uh, women locked up in a, in a, in a headscarf. Um, these are all 
kind of crimes and all kind of values that we don't want in Europe. And that's why I wrote a book about Islamization and how it affects children and especially women. So women who read my book know what it's all about and what is the big plan of the Koran. Because sometimes they say you, the Koran should be banned or should be burned. <laughs> but I think everybody should read the Koran. It's all in the book. The, the exact plan that the Islamic world has with uh, non-believers as we are Europeans. Um, it's all in that book. And then I um, made my book, uh, Whore Nor Slave, um, to, to give um, women a voice, to make them aware of what is in the Quran and which is the plan they have for women and for children, because it's not a good plan. Allah does not love women or children at all. Um, uh, for example, the, the, the new kind of crimes I said that are introduced into Europe um, and all, all kinds of... Um, uh, values that we don't have um, before prior to the mass immigration and to the Islamization of Europe. So it's a big problem to raise children here now at this moment in Europe. And parents um, like me have to give two educations, the right one, and then they have to make the, the education in school because, yeah, of course, I cannot teach them math and science, but they need that. So they have two educations at this time. It's, it's very complicated, actually. You have, uh, this is something that needs to be remembered. I mean, obviously, the, the children, which so often get forgotten about when you're talking about political issues, I I say the buck certainly has to stop with the men. Our men are going to have to take the bull by the horns. Men are the natural uh, leaders of societies and of families. Women obviously play a, a very important role. I mean, what could we do without the wombs that bring life into this earth and uh, without the, uh, the, the, the assistance and the complementary role that women play? And Anka, I mean, obviously you do much more than that uh, as, as a member of the Senate, leading in ways that most people cannot and, and would not. But the native children born in Belgium, I know that there's a very interesting situation over there it's, uh, with regards to their schooling. It's not like here in America where you have a lot of private schools. Almost all the schools in Belgium are public, and, and this gets yes. overlooked. I mean, you look at the kids here, you can get away from it if you can afford to uh, take your kids to private schools in America. It's very expensive. Or if you can homeschool. Yeah. Uh, but if you send them to a, a majority non-white school in America, the bullying and the, is absolutely brutal. Uh, and um, it's a different kind of immigration and a different kind of diversity here. But I would imagine that there are widespread conflicts between Muslim children uh, and native-born whites on this yes, elementary level. Yes, that's a big problem. Yes, it's a big problem because we have public schooling. Um, it's not possible to school at home, or it's very, very. It's made very difficult. And private schools are almost non-existing. Uh, even though, if you have a lot of money here in Europe, it's not possible to to buy your child a place in a private school because they're just not there. Those schools, um, and so we have to go to public schools. And then we we parents like me, we fight to have our children in a good school, which is very difficult to find because the uh, the authorities are all the time doing experiments on our schools and trying to mix all kinds of. Uh, people, all kinds of children uh, in one classroom, which I oppose to. I think that uh, the children of the European people should be educated, and if their level is higher than the other children, the other children should be helped within their own class, with the, on their own um, speeds, how they, uh, they evolve. And now they mix all the children together, which makes the level go down for the children who are very bright and smart. They have to wait for the other children to pick up, and that's a Great major point. problem because they don't even actually sometimes speak uh, our language. They come from abroad, 
because of mass immigration, they keep on coming from abroad. Everybody needs to learn our language, but they're very slowly. My child, our children, they speak the language. They have to be educated, but they have to wait until the other ones are are on the same level of, of, uh, of language, which is very, very difficult. So we educate, uh, uh, we give two educations, uh, one at home and one in the public schools, because they're obliged to go to those public schools until they're 18 years old. Uh, so it makes it all very, very difficult. That's why we from Frams Blank try to change the system, try to get more uh, voters to vote for us. So the experiments on our children and schools would stop. It's very important. Uh, Philip, and this, this to you, my friend, uh, this is, uh, I'm looking at this and I tried to read to the extent that I can stomach it, the doctrines of, of the opposition and to, to try to see, you know, how could they believe this? How could they believe that this fosters a, a society that is uh, high functioning? And if you have a non-homogenous society, it seems you have a very low trust, defensive society, one that is at odds and in competition with itself as opposed to a, a homogenous nation, which is very high trust. And I, I don't want to rob these other people groups from having what I want for, for our people. I want them to have their own nations. I want them to have their own traditions and cultures, but, but I, I do want that for myself and I, I don't want to be snuffed out. And I think if you look at the trends, uh, it's not hyperbole to say at some point that we're just not going to exist or not going to exist on a level that matters uh, in, in, in the not too distant future unless something changes. So my question is, we're talking about this great replacement, how it's a huge concern for Northern Europe and Belgium uh, for all of us, really, and that people are waking up to these concerns. I guess, Philip, my question for you is, how could anyone in your nation not be in favor of your party and people like you and Anka? Well, there is uh, still a lot of pressure of the mass media, and, and there is also repression. There's no, not only pressure, there is also repression. Eh? Uh, uh, the state is, is criminalizing everybody who is in favor of our ideas. Eh? Don't forget. Don't forget that if you uh, um, uh, are in favor of an immigration stop or you are against Islamization of our society, you're treated as a racist, uh, Islamophobia. Only a few days ago, Wednesday, there was this International Day against Islamophobia issued by the United Nations uh, who wants to criminalize uh, everybody who, who is critical towards Islam. Uh, next week we have uh, the International Day Against Racism, and so it continues every, <laughs> every, every day, every week. There is another initiative from uh, the, 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 the multicultural elite uh, who is in charge of all those international institutions against uh, um, popular ideas who are not racist or Islamophobic or whatever, but who only express uh, uh, what lives majority of, of our population and uh, well I think there is there is a sort of not a conspiracy but there is uh, at least um, a plan uh, to, 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 to issue this uh, replacement immigration uh, to replace our uh, populations or indeed indigenous uh, European populations by uh, non-European populations uh, to form this diverse uh, uh, multicultural society they believe in. Uh, it's it, for me it's a new sort of communism, uh, uh, and 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 it, it's very it's very difficult to 
to uh, to explain this to uh, to ordinary people who are not interested in, in politics. They only see uh, what's happening in their in their neighborhoods, in their uh, hometowns. Um, they lose their employment to, to uh, uh, workers from uh, uh, Africa or, or or Northern Africa or Asia. Uh, they 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 don't feel at home anymore in their own neighborhood. Uh, there is a, the crime is going up uh, and so on and so on and and this makes it uh, well it, it's an opportunity for opportunity for us uh, to to explain to those people that everything that happens to them all those problems are issued by mass immigration are issued by the fact that uh, the, the 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 political elite wants to instore this this diversity, this multicultural society, this woke uh, and political correct society. Um, and and that's that's an opportunity for us. Uh, but nevertheless, it's still it, it's still a hard uh, fight. Uh, it, it's not easy, but we, we, we there is no other opportunity. There is no other alternative. There is only one opportunity and that is to, to keep on uh, fighting uh, for our cause. Uh, Philip and Anka, I want to thank you again for taking the time tonight. We're down to just our last couple of minutes. I, I, I want you to know how much I am sure this will encourage my vastly majority American listening audience to know that there are people like the two of you who are sitting in positions of power within your own national governments and are fighting for what is right, what is good, what is healthy, what is natural. And that your party is growing and it is trending in the right direction. Over here, you know, we still get excited if uh, uh, an alternative candidate receives 20% of the vote and loses in a landslide. Well, 20% was better than the 5% we would have gotten a few years ago. No, over there in Europe, people like you are truly leading the way. I can't wait to find out what's next. Philip, when, uh, when your newest book does get translated into English, please do let me know. I want to get a couple of pallets of them. Uh, and we'll get them out to our listeners. And uh, the next time y'all are in Memphis, uh, next time you come to see us in Memphis, my co-host didn't hear tonight, so we're going to make him pay for the barbecue. we got about two <laughs> minutes left. Uh, a final uh, word, a minute each, uh, to each of you. Anka, you first, please. Yes, I would like to thank you for having us on Liberty News Radio. It's an honor to be able to speak to American people because, uh, as I said in the beginning, it's not every day we can do that. And it's important to unite all over the world. That's what I Amen. learned as a Miss Belgium and a runner-up to Miss Universe. It's important to make sure that everybody in the world has a good life. Um, and I think if we unite, we can help other people and, and other uh, parts of the world all together. So that's still the course why i'm in politics and thank you very much for having me on liberty news radio well the honors have been entirely ours thank you for your beauty and your service to your people and to your family and, and to all of us uh, you are, are an inspirational woman and i'm thankful to know you philip last word to you my friend um, already looking forward to the next well, thank, time we talk. Thank, thank you james for uh, having you in your show it was once again uh, an interesting talk but uh, don't don't be afraid. Uh, at, at the end, uh, we will we will uh, we will prevail. I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm really sure of that because uh, it's it's, uh, it's it's our moral duty to oppose and and it's our moral duty uh, to, to to fight for uh, for our cause and for our people and for our values and for our uh, culture and civilization. 
and Amen. be aware of the fact that our civilization is also your civilization. We share the same values, we are... the same way of life, and and that's what uh, what unites us. Amen. And here, here, we are all in this together with our European cousins and brothers and sisters and Philip De Winter and Anka Vanemersh. Thank you again so very much. Godspeed. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness. Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, Get Leon DeGrell in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com.
You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. And welcome back, everybody, to tonight's live broadcast. What a broadcast it is this Saturday evening, the 18th of May. We give Saturday Night Live a whole new meaning here on TPC, especially during our march around the world. And we just spent an hour in Belgium with both, not just one, but two of our people's finest elected leaders, Philip DeWinner and Anka Vandermersch, uh, appearing in tandem that first hour. Very unique interview. And uh, we leave Belgium this hour and travel even a little further north still into Scandinavia, where they're waiting is my old friend Dan Erickson. Uh, he is a native Swede married to a German woman. And now that's the kind of diversity I can get behind. And together they have two children. He is the chairman of Sweden's largest ethno-nationalist organization, the Free Sweden, as well as of Europa Terra Nostra, an organization um, to which I belong as a member. Uh, Europa Terra Nostra is a project that attempts to bring European nationalists together and build bridges between European nations that have been plagued by old conflicts. Uh, Dan also runs a daily podcast now for more than 10 years and is a board member of Scandinavia's largest alternative publishing house, Logic. He is a man of many talents and a man who has his uh, hands in many pies. And he's joining us now again from Sweden. Dan, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for having me, James. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. It was, I think, maybe two years ago, last time I was on your show. So I'm it really was. happy to be, to be back here. I was just looking at that uh, because I was looking at it uh, for Philip's sake, and he last appeared two years ago, which was the uh, same March Around the World series that uh, that you appeared on. So uh, it was two years ago, a year too long, if I do say so myself, but it's great to have you back tonight. We've got a lot to cover with you this hour. So uh, I, I, I just want to start with this on the heels of uh, the appearances that we had, the joint appearance between Phila, uh, Philip and Anka that we had in the first hour, uh, Europa Terra Nostra bridging this uh, divide between European nationalists. You're uniquely, I think, qualified, Dan, to to speak, uh, because you've had a, a past in politics as well uh, in your early days and your youth, uh, to speak on what parties do you think really are doing uh, a great job in Europe for our people? Obviously, we just spoke with two representatives for Vlaams Belong, but uh, beyond Belgium, you have the National Rally in France, the Lega Nord in Italy, uh, the Forum for Democracy. Um, for the Dutch, the Freedom Party of Austria, the Alternative for Germany, the Finns Party, Conservative People's Party of Estonia. Uh, we'll talk about the Swedish Democrats in a moment. But of those parties, I mean, they all sort of get labeled right wing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which ones really are? <laughs> well, something I've learned, uh, I mean, I've been traveling Europe for 15, almost 20 years, speaking at different conferences, building networks trying to get to know people and different parties and organizations. And 
it's clear to me that you can't really compare a party in, for example, Greece with a party in Finland because exactly what Philip said in the first hour. Yep. Yeah, because we are culturally different. We have different political history. We have different. We all have problems with immigration, globalism, and so on. But we also have national problems that are different. Uh, so. It's easy to to sit in one country and complain about a nationalist party in another country having the wrong foreign policy or the wrong view on this thing in the European Union. Um, but usually they always have their their reasons for for that. And uh, we are not. I mean, we are all Europeans, but we are many different nations with different history and and old conflicts and so on. Uh, so therefore, our politics also look a bit different, and I have the uttermost respect for what Philip de Winter and and Flams Belang and previously Flams Block uh, are doing, and uh, uh, looking at what's happening right now in Italy is inspiring. Of course, I would say both Lega and um, Fratelli d'Italia is they are both parties where I could criticize on certain issues. But seeing uh, uh, parties with that kind of history and still with a, a nationalist rhetoric being in power in Italy is is really really inspiring. And of course, we should not forget the the part. I mean, what's happening in Hungary to some extent, also in Poland, um, which um, shows that all around Europe, different right wing or nationalist or patriot or conservative parties are are gaining traction uh, and that's that's really really inspiring so i would not say and also i have to be a bit diplomatic of course <laughs> with europa terra nostra that i favor really one party over another i do believe there are some really good people in all of the european nations working for the best of their people and of the whole uh, european continent and and uh, but they're doing it in in different ways and i also do believe that a Flemish person knows best what's best for the Flemish people. Uh, and I can't understand every nuance of what's going on uh, in in their country. So uh, I just have to sit back, listen, try to understand what their issues are and be inspired by how they are organizing stuff. And when you talk about um, Flams Belang, for example, the the success that they have had during the years and also even when they were facing uh, the party being banned. They found a way through it and, and still could uh, have a successful election. So really, and they're really rising. Stuff. I mean, they're, they're right. They, they, we, we talked about that long sustained success, both by Philip and Anka, but also by the party in general. I mean, both of them, she's been in there for 20 years and him much longer than that, you know, as an elected mm. official. So it's just for us as Americans to see people like that holding those offices for so long and the party gaining in popularity and this coalition of other parties. As you mentioned, there's a lot of differences between the different European nations. It's not like America, where you do have your regional differences, of course, but ultimately we all sink or swim, you know, unfortunately together right now. But um, I'm hoping for a balkanization one day. <laughs> That's a separate issue. It will come, I'm sure. But, uh, I mean, in Sweden <laughs> I and, in, uh, and in America, yeah. Well, and you know the whole. Uh, this is an aside, but the whole history of of Belgium is is of course very interesting in that the the the, the um, Flanders is basically a semi autonomous nation within a nation, and that's just a whole separate topic of conversation. But they do have a very unique situation there uh, that perhaps some of the other European nations 
can't relate to, but uh, we're not just getting an opinion on this from Dan Erickson. We're getting a very informed opinion because, Dan, you have lived, not just visited and traveled throughout Europe, but have actually lived in, what, four different European nations? Right. So I, I've lived, except for in Sweden, I've lived in Lithuania, uh, so that's in the Baltics, and then in, in Denmark, our neighbors and former enemies <laughs> in the south. And <laughs> I've lived more than 10 years in Germany. Uh, I was supposed to stay there for one year because of work, uh, but then I met a woman who pretty soon became my wife, and <laughs> I had to stay for a few more years in Germany. But we have moved back to Sweden now, so... Uh, so now I'm back at home and uh, I need to do that to live here to be able to really work also with my Swedish organization. I've been trying to do that you know, on distance, but it's quite complicated. We are going to plug all of those organizations. It, this has just been, I, I, I use the same adjectives, I guess, over and over, but wonderful. I mean, that would certainly be one. Uh, this, this series this month with all of the different people we featured, Dan Erickson, so happy to have him back tonight. And uh, we'll have him for this hour. And so stay tuned. Much more to come. We've got a lot more to get into with Dan. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Dan Erickson from Sweden, our guest this hour. He serves as the chairman of Europa Terra Nostra, an organization that exists to foster understanding, friendship, and cooperation between Europeans at a national and international level. Anytime I talk to Dan, I get excited. He's just a guy that I really relate to on a, on a lot of different levels. We're in the same season of life, uh, 
just about the same age, married with children and, and fighting for our people. So, and you know, Dan, after all the years you've been involved in this, your entire adult life, as I have as well, we've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of interviews over the years, but I will tell you this, and this is the truth. When I think back on those first couple of interviews that I did with you and um, your your co-host on the broadcast that you were with at that time, it had to be a decade ago if it was a day. Those are two that still stand out to me in terms of the ones that I inter- enjoyed the very most uh, throughout my career thus far. Do you remember those? I do, and I'm happy to hear that. Actually, we had a quite big event last weekend and one of the guests came to me and started to talk about you and that interview (laughs) (laughs) just a week ago so so i think it's eight or nine years ago yeah it's it's amazing so not only you and me liked it apparently the listeners as well (laughs) remember that conversation well, this is what I get so excited about in this series, and this is what you've dedicated uh, you know, a lot of your calling to, is fostering cooperation and kinship amongst the various European nations and the European people groups. And uh, I, again, it is very intricate. It, it is, in fact, for Americans, I think, almost sometimes confusing. You look at Belgium. Anka and Philip consider themselves to be part of the Flemish people, which is uh, almost a nation within a nation in Belgium, although they 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 are you know seated in the Belgian government, and uh, Belgium itself is a relatively new nation. I asked Philip about that not tonight, but uh, in one of his previous interviews, and I said, "What can you tell us about the history of Belgium?" And he, the first thing he said was, "We're an artificial nation." And I, I was thinking to myself, "Well, that's not a you know very you know, flattering thing to say, but it's true." It was I think Belgium itself was carved out in the 1800s as a buffer zone to keep the France and, and Germany from each other's throats. Uh, if they, if if I'm not mistaking my European history there, so there, there are a lot of different issues that that uh, affect the different nation groups uh, in, in Europe and. Uh, uh, but we all yeah, you, are I mean, one people at the end of the day. Absolutely. But, but European history is so complicated. I mean, just look at the 20th century in Europe and all the, I mean, we had the two big world wars, of course, but also the, all the changing um, uh, borders uh, and, and which people lived on which land. So you had, of course, uh, 1945, but also 1989. And then you have the Yugoslavian wars and everything happening there. Uh, and I mean, that's just the last uh, the last century. Uh, so uh, U- European history is is really, really complicated. And it means that there are also many people uh, belonging to one nation, but living in a different state. And some of the people like the Flemish don't even have their own state. Uh, there are European people living inside Europe without their own state. So uh, Euro- Europe is, is complicated in that way. And for me and Europa Terra Nostra, this is, of course, something you have to try to navigate carefully because they all have their old, old conflicts and, and still ongoing fun- conflicts. And maybe a Belgian nationalist or patriot uh, have a problem with Flemish nationalists, usually not that much anymore, but that could absolutely be be uh, be a thing. And when you start to speak about Germans and Poles or Romanians and Hungarians, uh, you get into really, really... Uh, fresh wounds and uh, I mean what the Germans did to the Poles and then what the Poles did to the Germans and you know they are blaming each other and everybody has a grandmother or some other relative who were treated badly by the other group so so it's, it's complicated but our goal is to just get these people to start off get them first in a phone call and then get them on this, at the same table share a meal together speak and usually 
at least on an individual level, we find out that we have a lot in common. We are, uh, we are European. Most of us are Christian. Uh, we are white. We are, um, we belong to the same history in, in, in many ways. Uh, and we also face the, not the same, but, but at least similar problems. And we will benefit a lot more on cooperating than keep on fighting each other. That's absolutely right. And yes, the, the old wounds and the old histories, they, they can stay. I'm not saying necessarily disregard all of that, uh, but uh, what a luxury it was when we only had each other to fight. I mean, now yeah. <laughs> we're fighting for the very survival. I say that in jest, of course, but uh, now we're fighting for our very survival. I, I do want to talk to you, Dan, about the situation in Sweden, your home nation, the nation which you represent uh, on this series this, this year. Uh, but uh, to, to the topic that we're discussing right now and, and the essential purpose of Europa Terra Nostra. Let me give everybody the website right now. It's uh, Europa Terra Nostra. That's E-T-Nostra.com. That is E-T and then N-O-S-T-R-A. If you go to the top of our website, my Twitter handle, you can link right over to it. But an essential purpose of this organization is to serve as a networking platform for European nationalists. We've mentioned that. But it's about strengthening a shared European consciousness, overcoming these historical burdens and exchanging experiences and coordinating a resistance against globalism. That's the passion that you have, Dan, and the passion of your organization is to develop and popularize new ideas, strategies, and tactics to advance the overarching goal of preserving, celebrating, and advancing European heritage and ethnic identities. I mean, that's the thing. We've got to see each other as a collective. For, and I mentioned this with uh, with our guests in the previous hour. Far too often, whites, Europeans, white Europeans, whatever, whites in America, whites in Australia, whites in Canada, whites in New Zealand, whites wherever, see themselves as individuals. We have to see ourselves as a collective. We are one European family, whether you're from Sweden, whether you're from Spain, whether you're from Greece, whether you're from the United Kingdom and any of the nations of that island, whether you're from America or wherever, we are one people. And there are more that brings us together than divides us. No, I absolutely agree. And I, my understanding over the last 10 years or so, um, we founded Europa Terra Nostra in 2015. Uh, and since then, I, I see many European nationalists understanding this and, and coming to the same conclusions. Um, of course, the, the ongoing war uh, between Russia and Ukraine is complicating stuff, uh, but I do believe that an organization like Europa Terra Nostra is more important than ever when we have a war on European soil, uh, because this is the kind of things that will can, can put nationalists against nationalists all over Europe, uh, and we are trying to prevent that, uh, trying to, to talk to uh, all sides of uh, of the spectrum, what people think about this war and, and, and what's going on and trying to uh, make people understand that we have such an important thing that we have to do together that we don't have time to to fight each other. And, and, and I think that has changed the last 10 years. Uh, and uh, especially when it comes to the former Eastern Europe, uh, which of course they, they only became free or semi-free nation states in 89 or 91 um, and they have a, had a, a shorter amount of time to develop uh, their modern nationalist ideology uh, and therefore they it, it's a bit more uh, more complex 
uh, but they are more and more adopting a European identity, which I think is very important. It's not replacing their national identity, but it's it's like you know it's 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 uh, it's another identity that you have as well, uh, this shared European identity, and I th I see that becoming more and more of a thing also in the former East. I, I want to talk to you about the situation before we end this hour in between Russia and Ukraine, obviously now beyond a year into this situation and uh, how you see it from your lens and perspective in, uh, in, in Scandinavia. But, um, well, we have about a minute remaining, and it's a little bit uh, too little time to get into what I want to ask you about. And that's uh, – here's what – I'll give people a preview of what's coming up. <clears throat> when we come back with Dan Erickson – we're going to talk to him uh, more about the situation in his own nation, Sweden, with regards to the government there. Uh, the Swedish Democrats, who we heard uh, a lot about last year. I can remember talking with Henrik Palmgren about them last year on this program, and he was cautiously optimistic about uh, how that might turn out. Did it pan out the way we hoped? Uh, why? Why not? We'll find out from uh, Dan in just a moment. Uh, but while we're on the topic, I just want to plug it again very quickly while we have this uh, this this time. etnostra.com. And again, uh, an essential purpose of this organization is to network, serve as a networking platform for European nationalists, strengthening that shared consciousness, uh, popularizing ideas, strategies, and tactics uh, to bring our people together. I, I don't know if there is any organization out there that has a cause more noble than that. We, The old saying, we have to all hang together, or we will surely hang separately. Uh, this is uh, this issue of globalism and rampant replacement is something that affects us all and nobody is going to be able to withstand it unless we bind together you don't want to be the one that the alligator eats last so you still get eaten let's uh let's join together and bring our nationalists of european descent together that's what dan's working on we'll talk to him about the situation in sweden when we come back stay tuned everybody your daily liberty newswire you're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says we have nothing to worry about when it comes to the safety of our money. Our banking system is sound and that Americans can feel confident that their deposits will be there when they need them. Yellen also told a Senate panel President Biden's ready to work with lawmakers on reforming Social Security. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy isn't buying that. That's a lie because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social, we have not heard anything on our request. Banking anxiety may be fueling another recession. Economists at Goldman Sachs now say there's a 35% chance the USA will experience a recession in the next year. That's 10% more than the firm's prediction before the fall of Silicon Valley Bank. A video from that U.S. drone that was harassed and clipped by a Russian fighter jet shows a bent propeller and the Russian jet spraying the drone with jet fuel. NBC correspondent Courtney Cuby says military sources told her generally harassing U.S. planes is something the Kremlin has signed off on. They say it is most likely that the actual clipping of the drones was an accident based off of the erratic pilot, the way that the pilot was operating here, and, and, and some words that we're hearing like reckless behavior and even ineptitude on the part of the Russian pilots here. But the very high levels of the Russian government, civilian government, not just military, approved of this aggressive behavior. 
Both Russian and U.S. recovery teams are in the Black Sea, despite the very slim chance of finding the drone in 700 feet of water. Los Angeles is bracing for a possible three-day strike by teachers and others next week. What would be the first strike there in 30 years? Twelve solid hours of college basketball is underway. The first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament features games all day and half the night, today and tomorrow. This is USA News. Non-attorney spokesperson ad sponsored by Open Jar Concepts. Attention veterans and active duty military. If you were issued earplugs between 2002 and 2016 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective, potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-958-2145 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-958-2145 now. Again, 800-958-2145. That's 800-958-2145. All right. Having way too much fun to be able to call this work, uh, I'm James Edwards back with Dan Erickson. In the third and final hour, uh, Keith Alexander the Great will be back with me. We're going to take a, another pause from our international travels and uh, catch up on some news in our third hour. But, uh, my goodness, after <laughs> Philip DeWinter and Anka Vandermersch and Dan Erickson, where else can you go tonight? Uh, you, you, you go to bed. I mean, the work is done. You cannot, it cannot be improved upon. But let's talk to Dan about uh, Sweden. So, Dan, the Swedish, uh, the new Swedish government, uh, you write, uh, since last autumn, they call it a center-right government that's supported by the Sweden Democrats. Now, that could be, again, confusing to Americans. Over here, the Democrats are the, are the woke. Over there, they're supposed to be or were billed as sort of a right-wing populist nationalist party. This is the first time, uh, reading from your notes again, Dan, that the Swedish Democrats uh, had a part of the ruling coalition. But the result has been a disappointment so far. So let's talk about the background of the Sweden Democrats, the stances that they have put forth today, uh, as well as what this ruling coalition has said that they wanted to do uh, and what they probably will and won't do before their uh, reign uh, is up for another uh, review of the voters. As I said in the last segment, uh, when Henrik Palmgren was on last year, right after the Swedish Democrats sort of uh, were thrust into this position. He was cautiously optimistic. What's going on there, Dan? Well, so the Sweden Democrats, uh, they were founded in 1988 as a true nationalist party. They um, And the whole, like the end of the 80s, the 1990s, they were a very small group. Um, of course, this was also the time when there were a lot of skinheads around. So they had the demonstrations with skinheads and you know, it looked like many other of these kind of movements in the 90s. Um, in, in the start of, of the new millennia, uh, they tried to change their image a bit, but still remaining uh, nationalist. Um, 
in 2005, they got a new leadership, which is still the leadership of the of the party, and they once again tried to turn the party in a different direction. So they started calling themselves social conservative with a nationalist viewpoint or something in that way. Um, but I mean, still for the regular Swede, they have been the party you go vote for when you when you want to protest mass immigration. In 2010, they came into parliament for the first time with around five percent of the votes. Last election, they got around twenty percent of the votes, became the second biggest party, and now became a, ru a part of this ruling coalition together with the Liberal Party, the Christian Democrats, and the Moderate Party. Um, uh, they are not a part of the government, but they are like a support party for the government. Without the Sweden Democrats, this government wouldn't get a, a majority in, in the parliament. Uh, so it's a very powerful position that they have. They can more or less uh, say yes or no to anything, and that will be the final decision in the parliament. Um, so when this new, um, this new government was formed uh, in October last year, they presented a document, an agreement on what they were going to do the coming four years. And there were some really good stuff in that. You could see, you could clearly see what the Sweden Democrats have been pushing for, like zero immigration, a, an increased repatriation of uh, non-integratable migrants, you could say. Uh, there were also some some other stuff that would promote Swedish culture to um, criminalize anti-Swedish um, offenses in different ways. In Sweden, we have this kind of racism or hate crime laws, but Swedes are not protected by them, yes, all other groups. Or if you're a homosexual Swede, you're protected by it. Or a transsexual Swede. <laughs> but not if you're like, yes, a regular <laughs> Swede who don't do weird stuff. <laughs> um, so they, they wanted to include Swedes also in this hate crime law and so on, make us equal, uh, uh, equal in the law. Um, but now, almost half a year later, uh, it's quite clear that, because I, I was quite optimistic uh, at the time, because the agreement looked good. There were some things I didn't like, but I also understand that you have to play ball. If you want to be a part of a coalition, you have to give the others some questions that they like, and maybe you can get some of your questions through. So far, I have seen nothing of the politics from the Sweden Democrats. To me, it looks like they have been played. Uh, you know, they are, they are amateurs at, at this. The other ones have been in government many times before. Um, so when you look closely into the agreement, all the points that the Sweden Democrats wanted to get through, they are like buried in different investigations and there will, you know, there will be a committee looking so, at that and so on. Is it a situation where they're not being insincere, they just got outmaneuvered, or did they, in your opinion, never really believe in the things that they were running on? I would say mostly they've been outmaneuvered. Um, okay. Well, I guess that's also, maybe uh, better than the alternative. Maybe they can learn and do better next time. That's better than just being a sellout, which so many of our people running on our issues have been, especially here in America. Absolutely. The, the only thing that I would like to see from them now is that they start also, uh, you know, putting their foot down and, and saying, this is not, we will not tolerate this anymore. Uh, in, um, in January, we still had record migration. Uh, so, I mean, then they've been in power for, for a few months. You can get new policies and laws through. It's, it's, that's not a problem. They have the majority in the parliament. They can get anything through except uh, changing the constitution. They're, for that, you need two-thirds of the parliament. Uh, but what you have seen instead 
is a push for getting us into NATO. Uh, what you have seen uh, instead is new laws um, to restrict free speech, also for Swedes, the freedom of assembly, freedom of uh, organizations. All of this under the impression that it's about fighting terrorism. I, I guess as an American, you know this very well with the Patriot Act and so on. So it's all about fighting terrorism. But if you look into the laws that could easily be used at, against a nationalist organization growing too strong, for example. Um, in Sweden, we have uh, one of the... For, for European standards, we have uh, a high level of freedom of speech and also freedom of organizations. We don't have... You can't ban an organization in Sweden like you can in Germany or United Kingdom, for example, or a political party that's protected in our constitution. But now... They are changed in the constitution. Of course, they're getting the left-wing parties with them uh, to say that you can ban an organization if this organization is involved in terrorism. And there is no uh, explaining or detailing what terrorism means. So this can, of course, be used to silence or, or ban your political opponents if you say that they threaten democracy or they whatever. Um, and this... In just a few months, they've been able to push these laws, uh, but they have not been able to stop immigration, which was why people were voting for them. So it's been a disappointment so far. They still have three and a half years, um, but uh, I'm not holding my breath waiting for them to, <laughs> to do something good. Well, I... I guess in essence, it's still a good thing that they ran and they were they were met with some support and uh, perhaps they'll become a little bit more savvy in the, in the way things are operate going forward. But you you also tell me, Dan, that more and more Swedish commentators from the entirety of the political spectrum, not just the right, uh, are giving up on the idea of integration and talking about the self-selected segregation as the natural order. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. What's going on there? And with yeah, that. that's really, really interesting. What I, what I believe is happening is that um, it's becoming so clear to everyone that the idea of integration of 3 million non-Europeans into a population of 7 million Swedes, it's just impossible. They will not just become Swedish by coming here. And uh, there was actually a, a, a big name inside the Social Democrats, so I left the biggest left-wing party, the biggest party in Sweden, which has been the ruling party for almost hundreds of 100 years um that he wrote just just last week that we politicians keep on talking about integration but when people decide themselves they always choose segregation and and there are some politicians especially on the left wing who want some kind of forced integration like busing uh Swedish students to immigrant schools or um, forcing immigrants to move to a more Swedish area to make the whole, whole Sweden more mixed because Sweden is very segregated today. Uh, but the immigrants, doesn't matter if they are from Somalia or from Iraq, they of course want to live with their own people uh, where you know they, they know the language, the culture, they have their local mosque or uh, church or what, whatever religion they are into. And the Swedes, as soon as they have the possibility, and they move away, you know, the white flight syndrome. So you see this from the social democrats. You also see it from the from the conservative. And when I say conservative, there's this liberal conservative uh, style, that, like the moderate party in, in Sweden, who also now are talking about that it seems like 
people don't want this integration, so let's not force it on them. Instead, give them tools to segregate if they want to. Um, and to me, this is a very positive thing. Of course, I would have I love would love Sweden to be totally Swedish. Uh, the thing is, the last 50 years, the mass immigration has destroyed this possibility. So the next best solution is at least to give Swedes the possibility to segregate and live among our own. Yeah, that's uh, we would a similar situation with the American South. We uh, existed that way and thrived for a long time. And it wasn't a terrible, wasn't ideal, but it wasn't uh, the most terrible. It's certainly better than what we've got now, that's for sure. Let's continue with this one more segment with Dan Erickson in another hour that's going by far too quickly. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas, like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. Perhaps the most important question I will fill to any guest tonight, and I asked this of Henrik Popgren, 
You know, Henrik and uh, yours truly and, and you as well, Dan, we're all uh, about the same age. We're all married with a couple, three kids. And I, I asked Henrik on one of his many appearances on this show his opinion of Ace of Base, which is, of course, obviously the pride of Sweden. Uh, do you have an opinion on Ace of Base? Where do you weigh in on the Ace of Base question? I don't know why you turned down the music. I was dancing here. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you Ace what, when of I was seven, legendary. When I was in seventh grade, that was the biggest song in America. This is a Swedish uh, band, uh, three brothers and sisters and one friend, if anybody doesn't know the history. But that was the biggest song in America in the early 90s. So I could only imagine what it was like in Sweden. But you do know that one of the guys, uh, the, oh, yes. the main oh, yes. writer, Ulf Ekberg, was a, he was a good guy once <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> he was a nationalist. Yeah, you know, I don't know I wonder, anymore, but yeah. I, I wonder how much his uh, retraction and recantation is sincere. Yes, if you don't know, one of the well, there's four members of Ace of Base, which is a huge European pop band out of Sweden. It really went international, global, huge, 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 and that was their biggest hit. But yeah, one of the guys uh, was, of course, alleged of uh, having neo-Nazi sympathies. Which I mean, who isn't accused of being a neo-Nazi these days? If you're a half step to the right of comrade stalin you get that so but back then it was a little more damaging but hey they survived he's still uh, there's they're still out touring uh, last i heard so anyway so you you like ace of base that's a hell of a song that's a catchy pop song of course i love ace of base <laughs> all right all right well we're all in agreement uh, me you henrik i'll pass it on to henrik though we got another ace of base fan here in the house but uh, anyway that's uh, fun you gotta have a laugh from time to time uh, I did like the song. I, I'm not lying about that. But, okay, so back back to work, though. Uh, I want to remind you of the two organizations that uh, Dan leads. Uh, I, if you're a, a, a Swedish nationalist, this is more so just for the Swedish-speaking and Swedish nationals, you've got the Free Sweden, the big organization over there of Swedish nationalists. If you are a nationalist of uh, a pan-European persuasion, even if you're an American, uh, Europa Terra Nostra is where you want to go, etnostra.com. I'm a member. You can now join for free, although I joined when there was actually still a price tag. Uh, but it's a fantastic organization. We've been talking about it a little bit. And obviously, Dan, leading these organizations comes with uh, their successes and their challenges as well. Absolutely. And uh, we, uh, in, for the Swedish organization, last year was uh, there was a, a lot of things happening. So... Uh, we, we were featured in a documentary uh, in the beginning of last year, uh, and the documentary did not lie about us. It was quite, um, quite an honest documentary about what we are doing. But they were also featuring, you know, terrorists like this, uh, I don't remember his name, the guy in New Zealand who was shooting up a mosque. Um, and, you know, they were like cutting from images of what we are doing, you know, bringing Swedish families together. Uh, celebrating our traditions and so on, and then some guy going with a machine gun in uh, in a mosque shooting innocent people. Yeah, and uh, so right after this aired, uh, we lost the uh, insurance on our house, we our headquarters, um, and we also lost uh, the deal that we had with some different uh, where we printed our books, where we printed our T-shirts, and so on, um, and. Uh, just one or two months later, we got a letter from, from the Swedish tax authorities that they were going to do a tax audit for the last three years. Um, so we didn't think that would be a problem because we're trying to keep our books in order and, and we are tax uh, exempt, so we don't have to pay any taxes. 
uh, but we still we have some employees and so on, and then we have to pay taxes on that, uh, but no sales tax uh, and so on. Um, but what happened when they looked through our books was that they found out, uh, or we found out that the European Union passed a new law uh, in 2019, which meant that we also as a non-profit organization and tax-exempt organization, we, when we buy something from a foreign country, we should pay value-added tax or, or sales tax on that. Um, which usually usually is not a thing. So uh, we had to pay it's around thirty thousand US dollars uh, in in added tax, um, and they we had one month to pay it. We had of course some some money on our bank account, uh, but we also have thousands of great members who all pulled together and made sure that uh, this what I would say That's attack wonderful. from the tax authorities uh, that they could not. Uh, they could not get to us, uh, so we just paid it, and uh, hopefully we will never see them again, uh, the, the, the tax auditors. But it was quite a, a hard time because we lost so many uh, business connections, we lost insurance, and then came the tax audit. But we, we managed to get through all of that, and right now you know, we have more members than ever. We That's are wonderful. arranging some really big stuff and so on. Mm. That's wonderful news, Dan. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, this adversity, everything will be thrown at us. I mean, we all know that. Uh, any dirty trick, any anything uh, real or imagined, they will throw at you. But the fact that you've persevered, and you've done this your entire life. I mean, you've been involved since your late teens, as have I. And uh, we've uh, pretty much, we've seen most, uh, most everything, I guess. Uh, neither of us have committed any crimes, so therefore we've never gone to prison. But... Um, it's uh, you've been through a lot and you've always come out and you've always represented your your people there in Sweden, our entire community uh, throughout Europe and beyond uh, with integrity and with um, a determined resolve. And uh, it, I, I'm glad that you shared that story with the audience, because this is the kind of guy we're, we're talking to tonight. These are the kind of men and women that we feature on this program, people who are paying a price and they don't back down. That's the kind of people I want to be in league with now. Uh, so that's the free Sweden. And then, of course, Europa Terra Nostra. I'll mention it one more time, etnostra.com. You stand for freedom, for peace, for identity. And I think perhaps more importantly of all, against brother wars, against brother wars. So let's just close tonight uh, before you plug anything you want to plug uh, with just a couple of minutes remaining. The situation in Russia and Ukraine now more than a year into it, uh, you, you see this stuff over here in America they're acting like the fact that an American drone went down as if that's uh, they, they bombed Pearl Harbor or something, which that was manipulated it, it, it too. America knew that was coming. America wanted that to happen. That's just a whole other story, though. But th this thing with the drone going down, I saw Lindsey Graham, the odious senator from South Carolina, saying that uh, they have attacked our assets. They, well, they couldn't say our people or our cities or anything like that. They, our asset, this unmanned drone, as if that's a Sean Hannity shrieking, the very ignorant buffoon Sean Hannity on Fox News shrieking that we must go to war with Russia now because this drone crashed. Uh, it's just they really are provoking World War III, these neocons, these globalists, these despicable representatives of our people are, are, are wanting to go to war with a, one of the nations that are trying to do it right by their people, Russia. Your, your thoughts on what's going on over there, Dan? Well, I would say I'm not that positive on what Russia is doing. Uh, Russia is 
jailing a lot of our friends. Uh, Putin has been a, a terrible thing for Russian nationalists. Um, he has been good for you know fighting d- degeneracy in different ways. Uh, but Russia is a really complicated, multi-ethnic, multi-religious, multicultural country, an empire more or less. Um, but this this war is devastating for everyone, and not the least the the, the Russians and the Ukrainians uh, dying uh, on the battlefield and all the civilian casualties, of course. Um, the thing is, when it comes to to Eastern Europe and and the nations that used to be a part of of the Soviet Union. Um, they will never, um, they will never accept being uh, a part of of Russia or Russian uh, influence sphere again. At least not this generation. Uh, so, so the, the the question is quite complicated. It's easy to sit uh, in in Western Europe or in the United States or in, in Australia and say, just make a peace deal and. Why not leave Donbass and, and these regions to Russia? Uh, most of the people there are still Russian-speaking, so why not? It's, it's complicated. And, and if you listen to some of the Russian, um, the Russian people with influence, like Alexander Dugin and, and other people as well, they also talk about Finland as a part of the Russian, uh, the Russian sphere of interest and what should really be a part of Russia. So if, if we accept Russia taking parts of Ukraine. We will also accept them taking Estonia or Latvia, where almost uh, almost half of the people are Russian. Uh, and what about Lithuania? What about Finland? What about Poland? So I, I don't see this as that black and white. But what what is quite clear is that the military industrial complex, the neocons in the West, they love this. This is exactly what they wanted. Uh, and they will do anything to keep this war going on um, because they can profit from it, they can test their new weapons, and uh, they will also destroy the middle class of the whole Western world uh, because of what, what's happening there. Uh, and that's, of course, perfect for, a, uh, for politicians and others who want to control every part of your life when you become, become dependent on on the state and on welfare, and you can't even own your own, own home, uh, you're a much better servant to their socialistic ideas. Um, so I don't th- see this as black and white, like there's one good side fighting a bad side. I th- it's a really, really complicated history and, and, uh, and situation, and it's just so uh, disappointing and devastating to see once again, Europeans killing each other, and it reminds me, yeah, you know, the it. way this stuff is happening it reminds me of the First World War so much, and it's, it's so it's sickening and saddening to see. Uh, that is absolutely right. I appreciate that answer, by the way. I've heard, of course, some of the mixed bag on Putin. I mean, and you have a much closer perspective uh, in Sweden than we do over here, and I know people like Ruben Kallop, who is a nationalist in the Estonian parliament is very much you know anti-Putin and he's a guy that we agree with on identity and race and things like that Uh, I I look at it I I do think that there are Russia is a defender of the Orthodox Church it would appear as as though they are and uh, if if NATO and Washington and all of Biden and all of these people are against Russia is it a case of the enemy of my enemy is my friend Uh, I lean that way as an American, but of course over there, as you said, it's a a totally different perspective for some of these other European nations, and it's, uh, uh, again, quite complicated. But I think the main thing we want to drive home is no more brothers' wars, and we have brothers in Ukraine as well. Zelensky's a whole other issue. We didn't even touch on that. But but anyway, Dan Erickson, etnostra.com, Europa Terra Nostra. Dan, 
You have made uh, for a riveting guest, as you always do when we speak, and I can't wait to do it again. My best to your family. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Katie Armour raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight. Feeling lighter increases mobility and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, c-a-t-i-armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. And we're back, third and final hour now, joined by Keith Alexander the Great, who has been out of the studio this evening. Uh, But he is back with us to cover a wide variety of news stories. And I mean really this time, a wide variety of news stories. We're going to do some quick hit on, uh, quick hits on. They have, they tend to pile up and we're working through so many gifts. So when we do our March Around the World series, we only have that month of March that's exclusively dedicated to these international heavyweights. And you only got four weeks. There's only four Saturdays in March this year. Sometimes there could be five Saturdays, depending on how the calendar falls. But this this month, there's only four. So we're cramming them in as as quickly and as, as fast as we can. We had three tonight. Philip DeWinter, uh, Anka Vandermersch and, uh, from Belgium, and then, of course, Dan Erickson, who you just heard from in the second hour, from Sweden. Keith, I know uh, you're big fans of all those people, and uh, we spent some time with Philip and Anka in person, and uh, great people all and it's uh, really been, this has definitely been uh, one of the episodes on March Around the World the last few years. It's uh, really, really, really shining. Well, I have a picture framed on the wall of uh, Philip, you, Anna, and me when they came to town the last time uh, over on Gales and Avenue in Memphis uh, in front of, uh, I think, the uh, one of the uh, Tap and Tamp, I think it's a, uh, a fancy coffee bar. 
But anyway, we uh, had a great time with them. We met them up at the American Renaissance Conference that year, and they came through Memphis to see some. And I remember them saying they were surprised at how small a place Memphis was. Well, that's because you had to get back, and we just basically went through downtown. So I'm making the offer to them, if they're ever back, get in touch, and I'll take you on the full Cook's tour of Memphis and Shelby County, and you'll find out there's anything but small. <laughs> now, if uh, you lived in Antwerp, if you, yeah, it might be rough. There ain't no mind to it. If you lived in Antwerp, would you want to come back to Memphis unless you had to? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know as long as, uh, as long as they weren't having a war in Antwerp, you know, we, we, we forget <laughs> how lucky we are as Americans being off the beaten path in the Western Hemisphere. That's why. Yeah, Mark we Weber have... mentioned that. Mark Weber mentioned that in one of his, I think, his most recent appearance a few weeks ago, saying it's uh, we Americans view war totally differently because it's never been visited upon us here, at least not since. Uh, Except, unless you're a Southerner, now we we had total war well, visited on us before right. the Germans or the Russians or anyone else did back yeah, in the I said day. That. You know? I, said, I, said, I said except for Lincoln, but yeah, you're right. And then the Indian Wars, but not like they have experienced it, and certainly not in the last 150-plus years. But anyway, Keith, i got to tell you, this has been uh, a, a, a great series, and I think the making of a great series, what marks it as a great series, or at least is, in my opinion as a host, is did the interviews leave me wanting more? Was there still stuff left on the table? And I think with just about every one of the guests we've we've had this month, the answer is yes. I mean, with Tom Sunak, I wanted to talk with him more about his work as a diplomat for the Croatian government. And we've never really talked to him about that. With our guest in Brazil last year, I wanted to ask him, are whites hated as much in South America as we are in our own native countries? And uh, uh, with with Philip, uh, I, I didn't have time to ask Philip. But, you know, when Philip came over, he visited with us. He also visited with Pat Buchanan on one of his trips to the United States. And of course, Pat uh, retired recently, as you and I discussed late last year. And I uh, was going to ask him a little bit more about that visit with Pat. And uh, anyway, you can't get to it all. Uh, you can't get to it all. So there's a lot to cover, and we and it's been moving. It's been moving very fast. It's uh, one more week to go in March around the world, and then it's going to transition into Confederate History Month. But uh, where will we go? Next week, where will we end the march? We began it in England with Nick Griffin. Where are we going to end it? Well, we'll find out next week. But first, well, Keith, we'll, I know we'll have you... to get a representative from the North Pole and the South Pole this time. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered this. Uh, I tell you what, we uh, we have covered a lot of uh, a lot of ground, a lot of territory, a lot of different nations this month, and uh, still again, one stop to go. And uh, we'll see where we end up next week. I know we'll let you know next week, but. Um, Keith, I know you have been closely watching the failure of uh, the Silicon Valley Bank and uh, everything in play there. That's a big topic, so why don't you take a stab at it? Well, in a nutshell, it's a perfect example of the uh, saying that is making the rounds now, go woke and go broke. Silicon Valley Bank was probably the most woke banking institution in the nation. They gave $74 million to Black Lives Matter and about 2.6, uh, I believe, to uh, these LBGT, QRSTUVs, uh, you know, right groups and whatnot, parity groups. And they were not taking care of business. And they were caught short. They didn't, they had a diversity, inclusion, and equity manager, but they didn't have a risk assessment manager. And they got
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.